We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Find a bank that doesn't flag you for holding. In fact, they'll reward you for it. Just don't tell the refs. Earn 1.75 APY on your monthly balance with a high interest checking account at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com. Emprise Bank member FDIC, a major contributor here for KCSN. We're so grateful for them and their partnership with us. It's been a lot of fun. You know, getting the word out for them and really appreciate them buying into what we are doing. And I am bought all the way in to my dear pal that I'm sitting with right here. <laughs> Find him on Twitter, Barley Hop, Craig Stouts. I normally jump to Maddie here, throw it to Maddie, but I can't. I know wow. what a what a jerk. What a transition. What a transition <laughs> that is. You bought all the way in on me. That's good to know, buddy. Tell your friends that you're bought all the way in on them. It makes them feel good. Coming from you know, personal experience here. Look, look, as big of an institution as you are, uh, no, it is. It's not hard to buy into you. Maddie Lane is out this week. Uh, he'll be in training camp with me Friday and Saturday. So if you see us, if you see some people rocking the KCSN merchandise, uh, myself and and Tucker and uh, Maddie will be out there on Friday, and I think BJ will be joining us on Saturday. So we're all going to be out there. Make sure you come say what's up. We'd love to say hi. Thank you for listening, watching, whatever. We all really appreciate you and, and giving us a chance to you know get KCSN going the way it has has been pretty special. So make sure you come say hi because we'd love to you know say thank you. Uh, and we're excited to be kind of analyzing the Chiefs. We're going to get our first eyes on the Chiefs, but that doesn't mean that there's not some storylines to discuss that have come out of the first couple of days here at training camp, Craig. Content. We have content, finally. (laughs) We have tangible things that are happening on a football field that we can overanalyze in shells and also, you know, with going half speed. But who cares? We can talk about lineups. We can talk about some of the things that are happening. We, we kind of let off this week talking about some training camp storylines, some things to look for that might be indicators, good indicators for what the Chiefs are planning to do. And I, I mean, one of the ones that we talked the most about, and Kent, you and I tried to close on before Maddie screwed it up, <laughs> was that kind of right guard position and Trey Smith and if they were going to cycle in LDT or if they were going to give the rookie the reins next to Creed Humphrey. And guess what? Day one and two, Trey Smith is 
out there with the starters. A really big, significant development here, Kent. Andy Reid does not start rookies very often. I wrote a big piece on the KCSN Substack detailing every single rookie that has played any amount of time along the offensive line for Andy Reid. And it is very, very rare that two of them start the season as, you know, first choice starters. It's only happened once. 1999, Andy Reid's first year as a head coach. So I, this is this is massive if Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey are able to start. Kit, do you think he's going to hold on to this all the way through? I do, actually. And some of Andy Reid's comments make me kind of believe like they're kind of buying Trey Smith here. And obviously, I know I think he knows that, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. But you don't say something like what they said about Trey Trey Smith and kind of how he'd earned that opportunity. You don't try to instill all that confidence and then just pull the chair out from underneath them. I think I think this is a guy very well on his way to jumping in week one and being the starter. And you know, I I think we've kind of over. I think I think some people have oversold the competition if Kyle Long is not here. Mm -hmm. uh, I've not been a particularly big fan of the idea of Laurent Duvernay Tardif. If you kind of listen back, I'm not overly optimistic about his outlook here. This is a guy he didn't he hasn't played good football in a in a while. He wasn't particularly great his last year uh playing. He's a year removed. It's an uphill battle for Laurent Duvernay Tardif. And he's a remarkable story. Uh and it's it's great dude. Awesome. Wonderful person. human and it's awesome mm -hmm. to have him here and have him representing the Chiefs. I just don't know if he's going to be representing the Chiefs in the starting five of this offensive line. Trey, Trey Smith presents a guy with a lot more ceiling, a lot more controlled years. I mean, Laurent Duvernay Tardif has one year remaining on his contract. Uh, you know, Trey Smith, he's got four here. And if if it's a wash, I think you go with the young guy. I think it's an uphill battle for a Laurent Duvernay Tardif to to see an opportunity to, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the door is cracking open particularly much for him. I think Trey's going to, Trey Smith's going to lock this up, Craig. I, I think so too, but playing devil's advocate here, I, I thought that the Chiefs might give a little bit of run. I believe we even talked about maybe even Andrew Wiley getting some right guard reps with this team as well. And he is with the second team at right tackle. We can talk about some of that coming up here and involving Lucas Niang as well, mm -hmm. but. And LDT was the guy that was behind Trey Smith in this role. Now, Andy Reid, once again, trusts veterans to get these reps. But he's also not going to waste reps on a brand new offensive line. You know, if you've got Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith that are all brand new bodies on that offensive line, you're not going to just be giving free reps here and there to just kind of feel out the charisma and, you know, how everybody's dealing with communication and all of that. No, you're going to get the guys in that you want to play, and you're going to give Creed Humphrey that help if he needs a veteran presence next to him. I think Trey Smith being in there not only speaks very highly of Trey Smith and his ability to get on the field quickly. And I think that's what everybody's talking about. It speaks very highly that they trust Creed Humphrey with that as well. You know, he's not going to get the help. He's obviously going to get the help with Joe Tooney, a, an outstanding guard, but he's not going to get the help on the other side. So I do think that if, if here's my devil's advocate thing that I meant to lead with, <laughs> If Kyle Long comes back, which it sounds like after camp is, you know, over, Kyle Long is going to be returning with the team and might be able to practice. That's that's kind of the report that we heard this week. If he comes back, 
we might see some rotation there. And that's the only thing that's keeping me from saying that Trey Smith is just going to be the day one starter. Because again, LDT's here. He could get those reps. They're still in shells. They're not playing all that physical yet. Yet. So I, I do think that Trey is probably the likely guy. Yeah, just hammering back to what you kind of said, though. I mean, with with an entirely new offensive line, they're not wasting time. Mm-hmm. They're not wasting any of these opportunities. And whether they're shells, whether they're, you know, just helmets, whatever, however they're like walkthroughs, that communication, they're running through scenarios all the time up front. They're having conversations. They're saying, OK, you know, we got an overhang here, guys. You know, they're having they're they're playing, you know, they're having a lot of communication discussion up front you know, work in the mental game, trying to get all these scenarios played out in their head. All these things are super valuable for them. If you have a plan that involves someone like Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif, when you've got a literal left to right, entirely new offensive line than what you saw at the Super Bowl, I, you're, you're not, you're not, I mean, it's, it, it, that's, you're not wasting time. You're not, you're not filling around. Right. And I think Trey Smith, the guy, I mean, I think Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, they're going to, you know, they've got great leadership all around them. And they've got, you know, they've both got, they're bookended by a couple veterans. And actually, I kind of want to talk about that because uh-huh. I've, I got a theory. We've been talking a little bit about Lucas Niang. And I'm just going to point blank say it. I don't think there's a right tackle competition. I don't think there is one. I don't think there is a legitimate competition at right tackle. I think this is Mike Remmer's job. And I think Lucas Niang, you saw him lining up reportedly at left tackle, um, getting opportunities to, to, you know, learn and get, you know, get caught up to speed at a position over there. And, we, you know, there's been, you know, I think there's been some comments about, you know, Lucas Niang maybe fitting in there, but some of that might've been a little bit assumed by us. I think this team doesn't want to start three rookies from center to right tackle. I think that they want, to um, have you know a little bit more veteran presence because they're starting two rookies and i think lucas niang is the only guy that makes a lot of sense at the left tackle spot from an from a physical metric standpoint lucas niang is possibly the only other guy that really makes sense as a left tackle like if you can come up like another guy from an athletic standpoint from a measurable standpoint that can go over there and play left tackle tell me but I think they're really trying to make sure that Lucas Niang is comfortable enough to play that left tackle so they don't have to start trying to move Joe Tooney out there, Craig. Yeah, you're forgetting about my our guy. Our guy. I shouldn't say my guy. Our guy, Prince Tigo Monogo out it here. Ain't happening. No, it ain't it happening. It ain't happening. As much as we all love Prince, trust me, we love yeah. the idea of Prince. That, that it just it ain't happening. It doesn't look like so. Yeah. And I think that everybody's kind of taking some of this Niang stuff as a slight to Niang that's not this this team desperately needs a swing tackle and he desperately needs a year to adjust NFL physicality and speed that's why Andy Reid doesn't like playing rookies because it takes a long time to adjust to that it takes an especially long time when you're playing tackle tackle is tough there are very few guys that Andy Reid has trusted to go out there and play on the edge in their rookie year and most of those guys were drafted very high, like an Eric Fisher, number one overall. Like, I mean, it takes a special talent to do that. He just doesn't give that trust to the outside. He's much more willing to play him on the inside. So with that in mind, it makes some sense to give the reins to Mike Rimmers 
who has played in lots of different schemes, has played against all kinds of different rushers, not necessarily well all the time, but can do that and can kick out there. And our guy Maddie's not here to bring him up, so I'll just say it here. Kyle Long could come back and be in that right tackle mix. So I do think that if there is a right tackle battle that we're going to see, I think it's going to be between those two veterans rather than between Niang and Rimmers. And that's okay. We're going to get to see plenty of Niang in the preseason at left tackle, and that's not a bad thing at all. We They need one. We saw what's happened when they haven't had one the past couple of years. they got to have one. That's not to say that Lucas Dane couldn't play right tackle. I just genuinely sure. think that they are looking at this whole group in totality. They're looking at a, a at a group that, you know, right now I don't believe any of the guys that missed last season are in the starting five. Uh, so they, you know, all those guys, they're going to get some time to get caught up to speed. Lucas Niang maybe gets to prepare a little bit more for the left side if they need him. You know, we know he can play some on the right side too, for sure. But I think this year could be kind of an acclimation year for him anyway, because of, you know, he's kind of on a different learning arc than a lot of players are in this league. He is a year removed from being drafted. You know, he's had a chance to work on his body and get some work in for sure. But, you know, this year, you know, maybe they don't want to throw him into the fire and maybe this is just a year where they can kind of teach him both sides, you know, and kind of make him get a little bit more comfortable on the left side in case they can't get to something done with Orlando Brown or, you know, if they really do want a true swing tackle, a guy that can play both sides, have that flexibility. Um, you know, and you, yeah, you said Kyle Long, Kyle Long. We're not going to get to see Kyle Long compete uh, for that right tackle spot. But I think the learning curve for him could be a lot easier because he's a veteran. You know, he's a guy that's well established in this league. Um, it wouldn't stun me at all if you know Kyle Long at some point is playing right tackle over Mike Remmers. And Mike Remmers is fine. Mike Remmers being the yeah. worst offensive lineman on your front five would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, if the two rookies can play to a capable level, and Mike Remmers is your fifth best offensive line offense lineman, that's a that's a good offensive line, Craig. It really is. And before we move fully off offensive line here, I know that's been the talk that we've spent a lot of time on it, but honestly, it's the biggest thing that they've done this year and the most important thing that they've done this year. I just think that Lucas Niang, we got to see him in the franchise. He's working with these guys. He's in the building. We're seeing you know, the, the growth and the progression. He's working on his body. He's working on all that stuff with his trainer and everything. So it's not like he's not going to get the opportunity to play well, we like Lucas Niang for the athletic traits, for the length, and for what he did in college. And I realize that that's easy for us, you know, being draft guys as we are. We want to see the kids play. We want to see that athletic traits on the field. But we may get to preseason weeks one and two, and it may become very evident why they're giving him some time to adjust to this. So, it's easy to sit here and say that guy needs to be on the field or that guy needs to be on the field. And then when you get to see that kind of up close and personal, you guys will see potentially tomorrow and the next day. Maybe you see some of the stuff from Lucas Niang and you're like, I get why, but I also get the reason why that ceiling is so high. And maybe in year two of his actual rookie deal, you can see a little bit more progression and growth and a starting role. 
Oh, he's definitely one of the guys I'll be paying attention to when uh, when we're in training camp on Friday and Saturday. And another guy I'm very excited to get my eyes on is a very well-established player in the National Football League, but one is getting to move around a little bit more mm-hmm. on the defensive line. Chris Jones uh, reported himself at 292 today in his press conference, showing some inside-outside versatility already getting some looks. I'm very fascinated to see Chris Jones at defensive end, but I'm also curious to see in what situations he's playing defensive end. Craig, these are things I'm geeked out. What were you look, what did, what did, what were your takeaways from his press conference? What were your takeaways, you know, from, from some of his conversations, some of the conversations about Chris Jones last couple of days. Well, first and foremost, he looks fantastic. If that man's 292, he's wearing that 292 a lot different than we've seen him wear some of that 295, 300. Over the past couple of years, he's just he looks a lot more smooth. He looks a little more sleek. I, I mean, still a very broad, long, you know, physical guy, but he just looks a little sleeker. And he talked a lot about how in that presser he's been doing. He did Pilates every year, but he started <laughs> them earlier this year and did a lot of yoga and did that specifically to improve his flexibility on top of all the weight weight room work and everything like that that he did he also mentioned you know at 292 that he went and housed essentially you know a kent swanson half order of popeyes he had uh (laughs) I believe he said he had three sandwiches, about 10 nuggets, a whole bunch of sides and stuff like that. Basically, roughly your Kent Swanson half Look, order. Hey, I just got to say this. Chris <laughs> Jones got me on Mother Cluckers at Parlor. He's the one mm-hmm. I heard him advertising it, and I heard his order. And it was like two chicken breasts, a chicken sandwich, fries, and a shake. It was something absurd like that. But let me just say... Mother Cluckers out at Parlor is phenomenal. So I'm going to just follow Chris Jones. I'm going to try to eat the Chris Jones. I'm going to try to eat the Chris Jones Popeye meal sometime this off season. That's what we yeah. might have to do. Yeah, you should. Listen back to that. Make sure you get it exactly right because I want you to attempt this because then he said he ate that and then weighed 292 like an hour later. So we he- should do that with Maddie. We should try oh. to get Maddie to go to Popeye's with us uh, this weekend. Maybe maybe tomorrow for lunch, I'm gonna try to get Maddie to go to Popeyes and see if he can eat the Chris Jones meal. The Chris Jones meal. I, I don't know that anybody loves fried chicken as much as you and Chris Jones do, though, Kent. So I I'm not sure. This make it even better because be there's a lot it. there's a lot of carbs involved. So maybe we, oh. that would make it even better if we oh. can get Maddie to try it because Maddie's always bragging about how much he can eat. So this is his yeah. chance. <laughs> but yeah, Chris Jones improving his flexibility, improving his, you know, it slimming down a little bit. He said that he's playing both sides opposite of Frank Clark, who is in camp, is their full participant, and also looks a little bigger himself than we've seen in the past couple two, you know, couple of years. That's not a good bad thing either. It is a good thing. So he also wanted to make sure to mention that he is going to play a lot of three tech. And he wants to make sure that everybody knows it's not just defensive end that he's going to play. But the reason that he has so much flexibility is a guy that come, came to Kansas City just like we want our good pals and Macadoodles to do. Listen, you guys have heard me talk about Macadoodles a lot since this podcast started. You know who else we've talked about a lot and who else the Chiefs have talked about a lot? Jaron 
Reed, a guy who came to Kansas City and is allowing all kinds of versatility along the defensive line with Chris Jones, with Frank Clark, with Derek Nadi. All these guys have talked about the significant improvement that he is going to make along this defensive line and McAdoodles would be a significant improvement to Kansas City or wherever you are. So if you are a franchisee, get a hold of Roger. Info at McAdoodles.com. Get a hold of him. Get a franchise up here. And let's start getting the best selection, the best liquor store that you possibly can in Kansas City. Get that versatility up here in McAdoodles. We appreciate them for being a sponsor. But yeah, Jared Reed. Um, I, I think that if you if you've learned anything by now, the Chiefs love this man more than almost any player that they've added this offseason. They've added some significant players. Everybody has talked about him to a man. So Kent. I, I know that we've hammered on this a ton, but hearing Chris Jones gush about him, I think that's the first time that we've really heard Chris go off about him the way that they are. How hyped are you to watch Jaron? Like, I mean, if he's your favorite player's favorite player, it kind of sounds like. So how hyped are you to get to see him this weekend? I think I think Chris is just excited because that frees him up to go play defensive end. Like, oh, he's giddy too. Oh, he's absolutely <laughs> giddy about it. No, look, he said Jaren, he's going to break the sack record. <laughs> Jaron Reed's a unique case because I don't think he didn't warrant his contract in Seattle. He just wanted out. You know, he was trying to move on. He wanted to go move on to something else, and he got an opportunity to come here to Kansas City, and now he's you know paired up again with Frank Clark, and this is a guy that you know presents up some real ability to affect the passer. It, some real ability to play the run. This is a big, bulky Steve Spagnola defensive tackle type. And he's a, you know, he's a perfect fit. And we don't really spend a lot of time discussing him, the free agent, probably partially because he was a guy that was released, who was signed for a small deal. You know, it seems like there may be, I don't want to say mystery, but there's some story behind it, you know. But I I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're, you know, we're, we might be, uh, you know, not talking enough about it. Really, because I mean, I, on, he's a good it feels player. like we're talking. It feels like we're talking about him all the time, too. Like that's the funny part, and and it still feels like not enough. Chris Jones even said that Jaron Reed's addition, the addition of Jaron Reed, because he was asked specifically, did the Chiefs come to you and say you're playing defensive end this year? And he said, no. It was actually when they added Jaron Reed that he kind of got the clues from the team that they wanted him to play a little bit more outside. So it really is a move that allowed them to do some things that they may not have been able to do this season. You know, realistically, before the draft, it might have changed their draft strategy altogether. Maybe now all of a sudden they're able to go get Orlando Brown because they don't have to spend a first-round draft pick on a defensive end to give them some juice off the edge. It just... It changed their entire strategy. So I think that that's part of the reason why they talk about him so much. But yeah, Chris Jones revealed that today, that that was the catalyst for the entire thing. Well, and I mean, Jaron Reed, I, I think I just look at how versatile this group can be um, mm. and, and how many how many ways that they can attack. And I think that's one of the, one of the things I'm super fascinated by is where Chris Jones lines up when 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 does Chris Jones line up at the end you know what scenarios are they lining them up 
are they trying to give him good like you know we've talked about you know he's playing both defensive ends he's playing both sides you know he's going to kick inside are he is he like i think maddie talked about lining him up over the worst you know worst offensive lineman mm-hmm. the team has like that flexibility is there because of a guy like jaron reed and this is a much stouter group that fits the profile of what c spagnola prefers along the interior this could be a really stout front in base mm. this could mm. be nasty in base and, and i mean and a dime with jaron reed rushing off of like as the as your third best pass rusher depending on how you view alex okafor taco charlton or josh kando on the other side opposite of franklin like you get real nasty on this defensive line with a lot of bodies. I, I think, and I think, you know, the guys that are excited inside this, inside the, you know, inside the building have fleshed out that <laughs> vision and have seen the idea of that vision play itself out a little bit in training or in, you know, OTAs and minicamp. That's probably why they're so excited inside the building for what this guy can bring because they see how it can affect the rest of that group. The Chiefs front can be like it's you know, Frank Clark looked good. I mean, we haven't really talked about that. If Frank Clark looks bigger, he looks, you know, thicker. If <clears throat> if if Frank Clark's back to his, you know, normal play and weight and he's able to play at that density that he's normally able to play with a little bit more power. Um, if he's able <clears throat> to kind of play like that, you know, you know, Jaron Reed and Chris Jones uh, that same front, that's pretty that's pretty interesting that's that's a whole lot of guys that can play through offensive linemen not around offensive linemen through offensive linemen there's going to be a lot of pockets that are going to collapse around quarterbacks and it's going to be very difficult to escape that group if they are all playing with the kind of power and density that we know that they can play with well yeah this group can disrupt don't make no mistake about it this is a group that can disrupt the passer and it would be really nice if the chiefs could disrupt the passer for the sake of their secondary, specifically the cornerbacks, we're getting a little bit more mm-hmm. of a you know reveal about the cornerback position for the Chiefs. Mike Hughes has been playing outside corner uh, when the Chiefs roll three corners out there. Legere Sneed kicks inside. Mike Hughes has been the guy getting a lot of looks. DeAndre Baker's been getting some too, but Mike Hughes as an outside corner has been the move so far, Craig. Yeah, and kind of polar opposite of what we thought they might want to do. And again, it's yep. early in camp. It could be a situation where Spagnuolo just wants to see those guys out there. He knows what Legereus Need looks like on the outside. Heck, he's playing him there in the base because he's one of their two best cornerbacks. Yeah. But I do think that it's very interesting that Mike Hughes, a guy that was playing in the slot in OTAs, a guy that we've seen his best football at the NFL level in the slot, it's very interesting to see him be not only a guy that's getting reps on the outside with the ones, but the first guy that gets reps on the outside with the ones. I think we all kind of would have predicted DeAndre Baker or maybe even a Rashad Fenton mixing in there on the outside. I would have guessed from that familiarity perspective. yeah, 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 absolutely. Being able to get a look at all the schemes and everything like that. But I think it does speak volumes about, um, about what he thinks of Legereus Need, first of all, Legereus Need talked today and said, "I'm going to play two positions." You know, so I don't think that this is this is necessarily temporary. I think he is going to be able to kick inside and be that guy that's blitzing from the slot, which means Tyron Matthew is probably going to play a lot more safety. We kind of talked about that earlier this week. Um, 
I I do worry a little bit about Mike Hughes carrying some vertical routes on the outside. Same with DeAndre Baker. Both of those guys. I think that you're going to have to tilt the safeties over the top of both of those guys. It's not something that Spagnuolo's unfamiliar with doing. He's been doing it the past two years. I just thought that they might clog the field a little bit and give Snead a chance to play on the outside. Can't are. If those two are the options on the outside when the Chiefs go nickel or dime, which one of those two would you prefer to see first? I'm talking about Baker versus Hughes? Baker versus Hughes. Man, put me on the know. spot. I'm not really excited about like I'm not optimistic about either of them, and it's not to say that I don't think either of them are gonna you know pan out. It's just I don't think you can make a determination at this point on which one it's actually gonna be. I would say I guess Baker. Um, and I would hope for Baker because you have more club control years. Um, I think he, I mean, I think he's played a little bit more outside historically, but that's, I, I'm, I, I've been looking at this cornerback group and I don't like, I, it's again, we've been talking this conversation on paper. I'm not excited about either of them. And both of them kind of have some similar struggles carrying vertically. We saw DeAndre Baker didn't look good carrying vertically at all. He didn't look good. Like, and he didn't like he got beat off the line of scrimmage by McCool Harbin, got stacked and got ran away from very easily. And that wasn't particularly good. But I don't think Mike Hughes is actually is, is doing much of anything else there either. Craig, I do want to go and circle back to one thing talking about, you know, maybe we mm-hmm. don't see Tyron Matthews much in the slot. Mm-hmm. Is that a risk? Is that does that help him age? Oh. You know, does yeah, that help him yes. age better? Like this Absolutely. one thing I'm thinking about mm-hmm. here, it's like, and it's not like Tyron Matthews, a guy that's that you know carrying vertically great either. I mean, he's nah. fine. He's you know, but it's not like that's that's not his game. But it, it it's not I, the best aspect of his game, right? Right. I just wonder. I wonder if yeah, if he's going to be playing in more of a safety alignment a little bit more. Is that something as a response to maybe help him age a little bit better? I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily age. I think in 2019, we saw him operate out of the slot ridiculously well. I think he, he was really a revelation there, and I would have been fine with him playing there. To start last year, it wasn't at the same level. Still good, just not at the same level. And when Legereus Sneed came back, Tyron Matthew moved back to that safety role and really was a massive presence once again on this team. Not that he's not a massive presence all the time. You know what I'm saying, though. Like, he really was, you know, more of a game-changing presence back there. And if Steve is looking at that and going, listen, I know that he's going to be a game-changer in this role, you got to play that guy there. I mean, he is the weapon in your secondary so you want to use him in the spot that you can use him to be the biggest weapon i do think that that is safety but kent throwing this back to you i do think that that might mean something for juan thornhill here because the chiefs are going to play their best five guys and their best five guys right now includes if camp is any indication one of Mike Hughes or DeAndre Baker. Dan Sorensen has been that other safety during this time period. Juan Thornhill's mixing in a little bit, but Dan Sorensen has been that guy for the first couple of days. What? How comfortable are you with this situation for Juan Thornhill all of a sudden? Well, I mean, that's a big question. Some of this could depend on what on what Juan Thornhill looks like in this camp and what Juan Thornhill is able to show during training camp because he's been a little bit of Jacqueline Hyde. I mean, his rookie year, we all know how incredible that rookie year was for him. 
Uh, he looked like an absolute steal in the second round, especially late in the season. And then he got hurt and mm-hmm. he didn't look like the same dude. His athleticism, like his, he wasn't, he did not have ability to gauge what athleticism he was still trying to regain. And it showed up drastically at times with some of the angles to the football and all that stuff. His body was, he, his mind was right in cat checks. His body couldn't cash a lot of times. Wait. Which he admitted in his presser to, I mean, to be completely fair to Juan Thornhill, he admitted that fully that the mental side wasn't quite there last year. Yeah. And I mean, but this is a guy that, you know, even late in the year, you saw some more promise. You saw some of the old Juan <laughs> it stretches the Buffalo game comes to mind as a guy that, you know, he was playing fast. He wasn't thinking he was letting his, in, he has good instincts. People, I don't think people realize it. he actually has pretty good instincts. It's just I don't think his athleticism and confidence were the same place that they normally are. So um, he's he's got an uphill battle if that is the situation, though, because, I mean, Daniel, Daniel Sorensen's a very trusted football player. He's steady. Uh-huh. He's where he needs to be. He's, you know, he's 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 better positioned right now, probably than Juan Thornhill. But if Juan Thornhill can show some of that athleticism, show, you know, that he's the old, you know, the old Juan Thornhill of old. And, you know, maybe some consistency in the run fit. You know, there's some stuff there, too. Like, I, I, you, and my, you, and, you and me maybe don't met, value that stuff the same way other guys do. But if 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 Steve Spagnuolo does. About? What are you talking about? Run, I, you don't value the run fit. I, can, I, care about, I care about run fits. I care about running the ball on offense. Quit That's all I make, care about. Quit trying to make run fits a thing. But Listen, I, I'm just trying to make – all the old guys like me that grew up with Marty very happy right now. Well, Marty's defenses would get lit up in the National Football mm, League these yeah, days. Probably. I'm just saying, Derek Thomas. Oh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it, it does. It does pose some questions, uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see how those top five shake out. Because I'm not sure Juan Thornhill isn't one of the best five. And I think he is. I think I do too. I, I mean. It's just there's there's a lot of trade off here. And maybe, you know, honestly, Craig, this is a situation where, you know, I think with everything in training camp, you got to look, do I buy it or do I not buy it? Right. It makes a lot more sense in a time when the Chiefs need to identify cornerback three, cornerback four, that they are going to kick Legereus Sneed inside and let those guys kind of duke it out and see what they can do outside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe this is a chance to limit Juan Thornhill's reps as he's getting back under his, you know, getting under his feet. So you, maybe you're reducing the safety reps a little bit more across the board and you're rotating those corners in. So now you know, this could be one of those things that they're kind of doing here to maybe help, you know, you know, facilitate this competition there at corner. Uh, and maybe, maybe this is one of those things we shouldn't necessarily be looking into some of the rotations as much as we should be just knowing that they're trying to get one of those guys or both of those guys caught up to speed slash ready for week one right right which then let's do this we're gonna play Uh a little game right here to close it out we're gonna do buy it or not buy it since you just said since you just said there i'm gonna present i was thinking about doing this for an article but that's okay it's fine oh really okay yeah we can save it it for you there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot of things to buy or not buy but i'll just tell you i'm not buying jody fortson making a contested catch because that's all he's done sorry no you bought it you bought it because that is all he's done. That's I'm not buying. You, you I'm not it. buying. It means anything. Okay. Sorry. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey 
Missed a little time today, went up the hill with some back tightness, some hip tightness. Not a big deal, it doesn't sound like, but buy it or not buy it. Noah Gray looking terrific in Travis Kelsey's role after that. Caught a couple passes up the seam, just looked really good, integrated with the ones there. Absolutely buying it. This is we've been talking about this for the last couple of months. This is a guy that helps insulate them uh, with that Y ISO look that they love. This is a guy that has very similar skill sets, not to the same level, but same types of skill sets as a Travis Kelsey. This is a guy that can do a lot of the things that Chiefs like to do with their Y, their Travis Kelsey type tight end. I am buying this man, making plays. He is very well positioned to have a lot of success here in Kansas City, and he can step in and do and perform admirably, and that's valuable in Travis Kelsey's absence, buying it 100%. Flipping to the other side of the ball, buying it or not buying it, Willie Gay is going to be an impact pass defender in the nickel this year. I'm... I'm a hold. I'm gonna just split right. You're down gonna the hold. I'm no, no, no. See, that's fence. not a buy or a not buy. Uh, Come on. Okay, make uh, a choice. I'm not buying it. Mm. And it's not Had that two I don't, PBUs day one. Two PBUs day I'm one. I'm not buying it, and it's not that I don't think he can play well. Uh, it's not that I don't think he can be better than what this team has had. I'm just, I'm very much in a wait and see with Willie Gay. I think the athleticism is undeniable. I think he's the guy that can be the dynamic defender at that second level of this defense, but I want to see the mental side pick up. I want to see the instincts, you know, I want to see him playing fast and, and, and reading through plays. Cause he looked a lot of times, even though he was, he was, he was making, he was failing fast. And sometimes you can fail flat fast and make plays. And that's what he did a lot last year. I think there's still an uphill battle mentally until I see more of that. And I'll get eyes this week until I see more of that. I'm going to just, I'm, I'm not optimistic that he's the, he's a big playmaker game changer in coverage quite yet, but I want him to, and I'm a big fan. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that hitch that he broke up on Demarcus Robinson was phenomenal. And he even triggered late to that. So well, uh, why did he trigger late, Craig? Well, I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying, that's what I'm saying. He could still be an impact defender without playing as mentally fast as the mental fastness gets there. Woo. Look out. We're getting All right, sticking sticking with the linebackers. Buying it or not buying it. Ben Neiman is holding down an outside linebacker role right now until Nick Bolton is ready to take it from him early this season. You buy that or not buy it? I'm buying that Ben Neiman's holding on to this job, and I'm buying he holds it ah. into the season. It's it's going to happen into this season. And here's the thing: this is nothing like this is nothing to do with Nick Bolton. And it had, I mean, maybe it had a little bit to do with Willie Gay last year. Maybe it does have a little bit to do with Nick Bolton. Steve Spagnuolo does not trust young guys very easily. It is an uphill battle for some of these guys to be trusted early. I don't think, you know, Willie Gay got a very small dose early and it took him a long time to kind of get back and, you know, kind of get acclimated and build trust and confidence in Steve Spagnuolo. Nick Bolton does, I mean, he hasn't been able to supplant it, you know, Ben Neiman to this point. That's, yeah, I don't, it's not disappointing. It's just that just tells me, you know, based on some of the comments too, he's, you know, he's taken some time to pick things up and that doesn't normally breed uh, early playing time under Steve Spagnuolo. It just doesn't. I would, 
you have to go yeah. fast. You have to start fast. You, you have to start hot. You have to earn that trust early. And if you don't earn that trust early and you're not picking things up quickly, you're behind the eight ball for the first four weeks of the season. And mm -hmm. that alarms me a little bit, but at least, you know, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if Willie Gay takes a step, Anthony Hitchens, you know, plays a little bit lighter and plays a little bit better. It may not, it may not be the end of the world, but hopefully Nick Bolton gets up to speed quicker. I do think that we got to see a little bit of this and this is my, my own personal theory here. So take it for what you will. Anthony Hitchens going down, you know, with a, with a hammy injury, it doesn't appear serious again, but he was not at practice today. Ben Neiman kicked over to the Mike linebacker role. Not surprising. It's not surprising. Right. Ben Neiman, you know, is the guy that has the green dot and the dime. I totally get it. You know, Spagnolo trusts him, but they didn't give Nick Bolton that opportunity. So it's not like they just had a guy or even Darius Harris. So I do think that they want to get Nick Bolton more reps. And I do think, this is my own personal belief, Nick Bolton's probably a better guy on the field showing what he learned in the film room rather than maybe sitting in the film room. You know, Anthony Hitchens and him have both talked about how you know, writing stuff down and trying to, you know, keep a, a logbook and everything like that. That might be something that Spagnolo and Anthony Hitchens want, but maybe Bolton is able to retain that a little bit better and a little bit differently than some of these other guys do. And getting out on the field and showing it might be the thing. He had a great, great little blitz, you know, off of a twist today that uh, got his hand on a ball. But all right, final buy it. Or not buy it here. We're going to go on the offensive side of the ball. I'm listening. I'm back. Do you buy that Joe Tooney, who they put up on the podium, really wanted to push hard today, is an all-pro for this Chiefs team at the end of the year? Buy it or not buy it? I don't buy it. But it has nothing to do with him. I just think there's going to be like I it just doesn't feel like Joe Tooney is always well positioned to be the guy that gets those all pro accolades. But I will buy Joe Tooney Super Bowl champion at the end of this year. So he's familiar with that. Like he's well, he's he's really familiar with that. So he's about I to mean, be familiar with it again. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, he's he was an all pro, second team all pro in 2019. So. He, it, he has flirted with that before, very well regarded, and I think the Chiefs are going to really push him hard, and they should. He's a little bit un, he's a little bit forgotten, as we've talked about you know, on this podcast before, but yes. I, I've seen too many Chiefs offensive linemen be forgotten. I mean, mm. Mitchell Schwartz doesn't get the credit he's always deserved. Now, granted, he's made some all pros, but... I was going to say, yeah, he Mitchell Schwartz he doesn't, well, he doesn't get the act. He, I mean, he's been to, what, one Pro Bowl or something like that? Or did he even make I, a Pro Bowl? There's just, you know... These Chiefs, Pro Bowls these, are for teams that don't make Super Bowls, and this team is always going to be in the Super Bowl now. At so. least give him the honor. He's earned it. Uh, no, you're right. You're definitely right. But I think I, he's going to play I, outstanding football. I think he'll deserve all pro. I just I could see him being slighted. That's all. That's okay. that's it's kind of a Maddie answer, I guess. Yeah, it just came up today. Like, I, you know, when he was out there and talking about everything, they're just really pushing him hard, and they should, again, spend a yeah. lot of money on him, and he's an excellent guard. So I'm just... I'm very curious to see how he's viewed at the end of the year based on how we view him right now with everybody else on the offensive line that we're talking about and just not really talking about Joe. 
Yeah, it ain't about performance. I think he's going to be under the radar, and that's kind of my whole point. You know, he's gotcha. just set it and forget it, man. I believe just it. Drop him in there and let him thrive and not think <laughs> about it ever. It's going to be great. Well, that is going to do it for the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Thank you so much. If you see myself or Maddie or Tucker or BJ out at training camp on Friday and Saturday, come say hi. We would love to say what's up to you. Say thank you for you know listening and, and being part of what we're doing here at KCSN. That's it for the show. We'll catch you later.